0: Everyone, and welcome back to the Metaphysical Apothecary podcast. This is Shannon with another solo episode in our Meet the Witch series. We will be exploring the mysterious, the magical, and the arcane together. First and foremost, I would like to apologize up front. I have a stuffy nose and am dealing with a slight cold, so my voice is going to be slightly stuffy. I will also make sure to attempt to enunciate my words. This next topic is finding what is sacred. What is sacred is going to be a very personal act. It's utterly and completely dependent on your own perspective, your own experiences, your practice, your path, your craft. And finding what's sacred is extremely important for a better understanding of who you are, what your craft looks like, and the philosophies that you follow while walking your path and doing your craft. Do you need to know what is sacred to do all, to walk a path and do your craft, uh, to walk a path and do your craft? No, of course not. These are just parts of a better understanding of who you are and what you believe That further empowers your magic and your spirituality and allows you to break down what you believe to others so that way they are not as confused about what they are doing or what you are doing in regards to what they are doing. Finding what is sacred is a personal and unique task that is left to each of us to do in our own way. In order to better understand and define our own personal practices, spiritual paths, and magical crafts. So, with that in mind, this episode is really going to be discussing how I defined and found what is sacred to me, in the hopes that you will be able to use as inspiration to find and define your what you find sacred in your path and in your practice and craft. I firmly believe that finding what is sacred to you is an act of self-love, as it helps find as it helps define. What you value, what you appreciate, what you find beautiful, and what you don't. Honestly, this entire attempt to record this episode has been a pursuit of me trying to figure out what is sacred and how to pursue it, as well as redefining it and refining it. The house is so full with little nieblings running around and their parents that it has just been so hard to find time to myself in order to record and that has been part of this, this process, this uh, process of finding what is sacred. It is solitary time for me. That is one of the biggest things that I find to be a sacred, self-loving pursuit an element to my practice, my path, and my craft. Solitary time alone, mostly in silence and sometimes in music. Aside from solitary time and time alone, I also find that words and their origins and their definitions can be very powerful within my own practice so in trying to find what was sacred to me I wanted to define exactly what is sacred and would that help in the process of understanding the things that I was realizing and finding along my path to be sacred <clears throat> so I went off to the dictionary and this is my, um, this is a summary of what I found. Sacred is something that is made to be holy, whole, complete, or intact. So the next thing I went to define was holy because not only did it appear in the definition, but it is often used as a synonym, and while I have an extensive um, thesaurus in order to have enough synonyms to make writing poetry and stories and um, articles and everything else interesting and non-repetitive, sometimes using a synonym can alter or t- can alter and so and change the meaning of something you're trying to say because the synonyms are in the same category or theme, but they don't necessarily mean exactly the same thing. Case in point, I went and looked up the source um, synonyms for unfriendly the other day and I found listed amongst the synonyms for that was Olympian as in the Olympian pantheon of gods. <laughs> so not exactly if I decided to use that as a synonym it wouldn't exactly be the same exact sentence um, and meaning if I use the word unfriendly. <clears throat> so holy definition is to be whole, complete, intact, without any external participation in any way shape or form. A couple more definitions I want to go find because I feel it falls in the same category or theme as sacred and holy was hallowed. And hollowed meant to be honored as holy, complete, intact, and whole. And a very (coughs) excuse me, and a very short summary of what magical means is the art and power of. Manifesting, the art, the art of manifestation, I can't remember that one, I have to go look it up, and magical brief summary of that was the art of manifesting, the art of manifestation Towards empowerment, so it's basically basically means that you're you have the power in the art. It something that has the power to manifest awe and empowerment in in experiencing it. The brief summary of the definition of magical is the art of manifesting empowerment through experiencing something like i said these words are usually used interchangeably as synonyms in writing and explanations because to continuously over repeat over and over again sacred 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 or magical 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 can make a piece that is being read very bland, boring, and repetitive, causing people to, especially me, (laughs) to fall into a lull where you're not actually intaking the information anymore. You're just, your eyes are just rolling right over the words. So, to use an analogy that works really well for me is that I see these words as shades of the color red. And these. Red is true red, hollow's red is scarlet, sacred's red is a purplish red, and magical's is actually a red-purple. So a couple of examples of what I find to be holy include energy and matter, dark energy and dark matter, Capital T, Truth. The cosmos and the omniverse, multiverse, universe, however you would like to phrase that. Creation. The soul is a, a... the soul the planet and life now I don't know if this is going to be a caveat something the soul falls under holy for me because I find that soul and souls are whole complete intact in of themselves without any kind of necessary participation or influence from anything external that does mean that I hold that (coughs) that doesn't mean that I hold that the concepts of twin flame and soulmate are not defined well, at the very least. Twin flames usually means a soul that has been seared into two pieces and sent out into the world, forced to live incomplete lives and incarnations in order to find each other, to become whole again. And that just does not resonate as true for me capital T it does not resonate as information that is complete either it also resonates as very diminishing and in a way minimizing a person's experience a single souls experience because they don't have that seared part of themselves With them they're not experiencing the same things that they're experiencing and that just does not sit well with me it does not resonate well with me and I don't really like that term and I do believe that there is some truth in something called a twin flame it is not in any way shape or form a person whose soul was seared or an individual soul that was seared into two to be experienced this incompleteness for all of their incarnations. I do think that twin flames probably has more to do with souls that were created by spirit creation, consciousness, whatever you want to say, at the same time. Potentially from the same flames of inspiration that creation used in the moment, but it's not a single soul that was split into two. Soulmate, once upon a time, had a very similar meaning to Twin Flame, meaning a soul that was somehow incomplete without another soul Experiencing the incarnation with them at the same time in a normally romantic fashion, but sometimes it was in a familial fashion, and other times it was in a friendship relationship. And we've now been able to understand that soulmates are more like souls that we reincarnate with or that we find residence in this life with that bring some lessons and values to our current life and incarnation, but they don't necessarily have the task of completing us because we are complete already. And we don't have the task of completing them because they are complete in and of themselves. Some things that I would find hollow or hollowed include a spiritual path, a incarnation, and cemeteries, graveyards, and other smaller plots of land. These are smaller fragments of what I consider to be holy. So cemeteries, graveyards, and some of the plots of land are fragments or small pieces of the whole and holy planet. But I would go to them and some others would also go to these same places and find that it was being honored as the whole, as holy in and of itself. The spiritual path can be a hollowed path because it is a smaller or A singular path to spirituality and spirituality being a holy thing in and of itself and the same with an incarnation whether it is an incarnation that is seen through reincarnation or an incarnation as in this life experience uh, versus other decisions that could have been made or experiences that We've chosen to grow from and get thus changing our lives in the process are a smaller fragment of life and so can be honored as holy and as hallowed, but are not in and of themselves the complete picture. The reason why I'm giving examples of holy and hallowed now and separating them out from sacred and magical is because I think that these examples don't cause any kind of confusion or need much clarification to anyone if I were to say, oh, well, that's a holy thing or this is a hollowed, thus honored as holy example. They are my examples, but a lot of people conversation would not necessarily call into question why those are uh, examples that I have provided. The next set of examples that would be sacred and magical, I think are more personal and are going to need a lot more clarification and are very tailored to my practice, my craft, and my own personal path. Since sacred and magical examples are going to very, be very personal, my personal gnosis on what is sacred are things that have elements or facets that cannot be changed without deteriorating the original. So the things that are I see as holy and thus participate in making it holy and it is sacred are things that have these elements that just cannot be changed. The examples that I'm going to provide that are magical in my personal experience, my personal gnosis, is that these are things that have elements or facets that can be changed, and the changing of them actually adds depth and flavor to the original concept or thing. So the general things that I find to be sacred include grounding and earthing, which requires my participation in doing this act in order to make it sacred, because just the thought process of grounding and earthing doesn't really do much for making something whole. We also have other grounding experiences, like grounding our energy and our electricity that we use for our devices and our houses, and that's not necessarily a secret act in and of itself either. So earthing or grounding is when you go outside and plant your bare feet in grass or sand or dirt and allow the circuitry of your physical body and your astral bodies to ground and connect to the earth that is a participation necessary experience that is sacred for me because it's I don't even need to mention that Um, also another sacred concept that requires participation is expression an expression of self whether it is my own expression or someone else's expression, them expressing their truth is a something is something that I see as sacred. Even if I don't agree with what they're expressing, even if it doesn't resonate as truth for me, I do try to always keep in mind that what they're doing, that participation of expression of self and truth and true uh, what they find to be true to themselves is a sacred act. Definition is also something i consider to be sacred because it is again a participation necessary act of engaging cosmos in a conversation on what is coming and or what energies you need to be prepared for and should tap into. So the general things that i find to be sacred include grounding and earthing, which requires my participation in doing this act in order to make it sacred, because just the thought process of grounding and earthing doesn't really do much for making something whole. We also have other grounding experiences like grounding our energy and our electricity that we use for our devices and our houses. And that's not necessarily a sacred act in and of itself either. So earthing or grounding is when you go outside and plant your bare feet in grass or sand or dirt and allow the circuitry of your physical body and your astral bodies to ground and connect to the earth. And that is a participation necessary experience that is sacred for me because it's... I don't even need to mention that. Um, Also, another sacred concept that requires participation is expression, an expression of self. Whether it is my own expression or someone else's expression, them expressing their truth is a something is something that I see as sacred. Even if I don't agree with what they're expressing, even if it doesn't resonate as truth for me, I do try to always keep in mind that what they're doing, that participation of expression of self and truth and true uh, what they find to be true to themselves. Is a sacred act. Definition is also something I consider to be sacred because it is again a participation necessary act of engaging cosmos in a conversation on what is coming and or what energies you need to be prepared for and should tap into. Starting with the Adams Family. The Addams Family is the oldest fandom, concept, idea, and entertainment source from my life. I've enjoyed it almost the entirety of my life. It was created, they were created by Chaz Adams for the New Yorker magazine, mostly, back in the 1930s, and they're pretty nihilistic humor and very apropos. Um... Eventually, it became a 1960s sitcom that was on the air for about three seasons with John Astin, who makes a wonderful Gomez, and then later on became a cartoon series in the 70s, was guest starred starred, uh, in Cartoon Land on Scooby-Doo, and also eventually became movies in the 1990s with... The Addams Family and the Addams Family Values. There are other movies and other there are other movies some were meant for TV movies there was a 1970s the uh, I think it was Halloween with the new Adams Family then there was a straight to VHS movie called The Addams Family Reunion with Tim Curry as uh, Gomez. I also think he did a wonderful job, even if the movie itself wasn't the best. But there's newer renditions to the Addams Family franchise that don't hold with what made the Addams Family the Addams Family. And these elemental changes have caused a dissonance with those who follow the fandom, who love the f- franchise and with I- its entire concept. So the newer Addams Family animated series changed elements that made the Addams Family from the past and the origin of the Adams family which has Adams who not only created them for the cartoons but participated in the character development in the 1960s so those are our two sources uh, on the franchise and the fandom of what the Adams family was is and should be portrayed as <clears throat> these two new animated movies unfortunately changed one key aspect about the Adams family is that they were very accepting, tolerant, and even, it wouldn't even go against the grain to say that they were actually very loving towards not only their own family members, but their neighbors as well. And they did not hide, they did not attempt to hide themselves or their children And they did not helicopter either. And with the new movies, you saw a change in Gomez and Adams where they became helicopter parents that were very fearful of the outside world and refused to allow their children to experience the outside world for that fear that they experienced and started pressuring them to fall in line with family tradition. Both in the comics from the original magazine, as well as the nineteen sixties and the nineteen seventies cartoons, all the way up until the nineteen, not even the nineteen ninety movies, and maybe even the 2000s uh, Fox Family, and the new Anna's Family TV series that happened in the early two thousands. Morticia and Gomez were very loving parents. Who were very supportive of their children being themselves, not falling in line, not following tradition just because it was a tradition. And also Morticia was the one who advocated for the children to go to public school and mingle with others their own age, even if they were not like the, their own family, even if they were not like the people they associated with. Because she saw that Wednesday in particular, was always watching the other children walk home and seemed to be very sad and lonely that she wasn't walking with them. Jump to the animated series, the the animated movie, the first one where Tisha Adams is actively going against her own character in this movie where she's keeping her children from interacting with other children. She's keeping her family isolated in their house. She's keeping them from being able to experience the world and teaching them or following her own fears and teaching them how to be fearful. Whereas Wednesday comes out as like, I'm not afraid. I shouldn't have to be afraid. I want to experience the real world. The real world should be afraid of me. That is a diametric that is a deteriorating change alternate to the Morticia Adams character and it changes things and I would have to argue that those are no longer part of the sacred fandom, the sacred franchise. You they've deviated from what is sacred with this newer edition. Something similar happens with Gomez. When he's interacting with Pugsley, and he's attempting to force Pugsley into a square hole, even though Pugsley is obviously a round peg. He may be an Adams, and it's a obvious trait, but tried to force Pugsley to learn fencing when he was obviously more talented and interested in explosions, uh, to say the least goes against who and what goes as has been and has always been from the get-go of his origin or, origin, origination ah, from his or, original iteration and subsequent uh representations of him from John Austin to you know Tim Curry all all, all of them up until Recently, he's been a very supportive and loving father who wanted his children to do what they wanted to do, who wanted to be around his children all the time, which is why they were being homeschooled in the 1960s in the first place. He did not want to send them away because he wanted to be there together as a family. And he wanted Pugsley to do what made him happy. So... That's a diametrical change that deteriorates from the original, and thus separates these animated movies from the original franchise that is held sacred, at least I hold sacred, and many others find the Addams Family to be, if not sacred, very important and influential in their uh, fandoms and, and their lives. The most current portrayal of the Addams Family was in the Wednesday series on Netflix. And while I enjoy the aesthetics of this particular show and there are different characters that I really do think this Mm -hmm. series did well by, the overarching family ensemble fell through and the change in their characters in order to highlight the one central character, being Wednesday, ended up doing something very similar to what the animated series, animated movies had done. It had changed the core of the Addams family, that which made it sacred from the nineteen thirties to the nineteen sixties, to the seventies, to the nineties, and to the early two thousands, and that was weakening the other characters around Wednesday to highlight how strong she was. Changing Wednesday from the cheerful little child that we see in the 60s and 70s to a more darker Wednesday, not a problem. It's been done and it can be seen as her growing up. But taking Morticia and Gomez and making them weak parents who more or less need to be protected by Wednesday is a problem. Another problem is taking Pugsley and making him a weak character that should be protected by Wednesday and even going so far as to make him feel like he was being bullied at school instead of actually seeing his character as he probably would have seen those bullies as his friends and would have had a good time being squashed in a locker and then his turn to prank his friends would have come around and he probably would have put something in their lockers that would have caused a very large blowback, shall we call it. I, like a stink bomb could have been it. It could have been a rocket that he would have put in there. And the moment they opened it, it would have gone off. Pugsley is not afraid or frightened by others. He is not someone who can't handle others according to the original core material and this rendition of him changed and deteriorated his character, thus separating this particular depiction of the Addis family from the sacred original source material. Dracula and the Legend of Zelda video game franchise also have elements in it that really shouldn't be changed due to it deteriorating the original core source material, and so far very rarely do they get treaded upon. Things uh, that shouldn't be changed about Dracula is that Dracula really shouldn't be able to walk out in the daytime without a lot of fog and mist and rain, and he really shouldn't not be drinking blood. It's what makes him, his character, essential to being Dracula. Other things that are questionable, delete that part um, Legend of Zelda there should always be a protagonist a hero following quest there should be a princess character who does not always have to be a damsel in distress and nor is Zelda ever oh nor is Zelda always portrayed as a damsel in distress a lot of times she has been recently portrayed as a monarch who, is allowing herself to be held hostage in order to save her people she's been a pirate she has been a strong character in the series and the franchise as well but she needs to exist the Zelda needs to be there just as much as a hero protagonist needs to be following a quest in order to save Hyrule or save the land in some way shape or form they're... the the antagonist can change. It's not always... it does not always have to be the same antagonist, and it's not. What does need to follow the same rhythm is that there needs to be some kind of Hyrulean temples that don't exist in order for people to visit and commune with their spirituality. It exists in order to challenge those entering those temples to either prove themselves to be strong or to get stronger in the test that the temples represent, to get to the reward at the end of the temple. There are some really great YouTube videos about Hyrulean spirituality and the roles these temples play, and I'll link that in the resources in the description, but these are quite a few things that, not quite a few, but these are a few things that neither Dracula nor Legend of Zelda core source material would benefit from changing and altering. Some generic, uh, some general examples of what I find magical would include art, whether it's painting, sculpting, poetry, acting, even <clears throat> sand art, as well as cooking, baking, brewing. These are things that I don't need to participate in, I don't need to be there, but I can still see the art. Of manifesting empowerment and power with these things, the art manifests emotions and manifests a reality that the artist is trying to portray, a message that they're trying to get across. As and cooking, baking, brewing also is an art that manifests a a sense of satisfaction, a feeling of comfort and togetherness, and a connection with others through what you're cooking, making, and brewing. A few examples of what I find magical and have components and elements that can be changed adding depth and flavor to the original include Harry Potter and the Wizarding World, Frankenstein's Monster, and even Nightmare Before Christmas. So dive a little bit deeper into Harry Potter and the Wizarding World. The reason why this is a magical franchise, but not a sacred franchise, is because there's a lot of things that can be changed and should be changed in order to add depth and flavor to the original concept and book if not movies, series, so on and so forth. It's already happened a little bit. In the movies, Harry Potter goes from being a very scrawny, messy-haired, green-eyed child to a not as scrawny as depicted in the books. His hair is not quite as messy and free-for-all, and his eyes are blue. In the play, Hermione goes from not being described in the books, to Hermione Granger in the movies, played by Emma Watson, and Looking Farmer put together and less wild curly haired than book portrayal, to the actress who plays her in the play, let me find her name, I apologize I'm not going to be able to pronounce her last name but the black actress Noma Dumezueni I'm not good at English in the first place and a cold and a stuffy nose and I get even worse at it (laughs) but this beautiful black actress played Hermione Granger in The Cursed Child and other actresses have come after her in the United States but i don't know if she's i can edit that out but changing these character details do not change or alter the source material in any negative way and and, and any negative impact in fact more changes could be added to add depth and flavor My personal headcanon is that Harry is, while his mother is a red-headed white woman with green eyes, his father and at least one parent or great-grandparent, grandparent, grandparent, great-grandparent is from Southwest Asia, who might be Indian-descended, Pakistani-descended, or any Tribe or country from that region, giving him this beautiful brown skin, this thick black hair that is unruly and impossible to take, and these vibrant green eyes. So, there's a lot of things in the Harry Potter Wizarding world that can be changed and altered and will only add flavor and depth to the original source material that that in itself makes this thing a magical, all-encompassing, empowering franchise. And trying to put gatekeep, uh, gates around it, trying to peg things into place as if they are core material that is unchangeable, only diminishes the franchise. The same can be said of Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster, as well as Nightmare Before Christmas. These source materials are not unchangeable. They are not so inflexible or essential to the story that changing these things, or changing things within their stories, would diminish that original concept that original piece that was put out Frankenstein's monster has gone through a couple of re- uh, renditions since it first came was published by Mary Shelley and that before Christmas may not have several editions but you can see how you could make this into a live action where the, the people don't actually like Jack Skeleton isn't actually a skeleton but he's actually a very skinny person or Uh, that you can take it out of context and it will still be a fun magical experience and a fun magical franchise and show and characters and music, but it's not going to diminish in any way, shape, or form the original piece. If anything, it adds depth to The Nightmare Before Christmas, The Town of Halloween, and the Grove of Holidays. So, those are some of my examples of what's holy, hallowed, sacred, and magical. And the way that I was able to figure this out was by looking at the things that were very important to me, especially in regards to the things I like to do, my hobbies, the fandoms, and what was important to me. In my practice and my craft, and on my path. As I said before, Adam's Family has always been a keystone series, comic, and family of characters my entire life. I gravitated to the Adam's Family before I gravitated to anything else, including like. Care Bears and all the other childhood cartoons. If the Addams Family is on versus if Mickey Mouse was on, Addams Family was being watched, not Mickey Mouse. There's a few other things that I would flip to over Winnie the Pooh and (laughs) uh, other cartoons, other childhood cartoons that I still like, but did not quite like as much as I did Anne's family for instance. Uh, another thing that I found that was e- made finding what was sacred to me easier was that they resonated for very long periods of time as essential and important and I got offended when others did not quite understand the core of what those things were, and thus changed, fundamentally changed those things. Like in The Anna's Family, the first time I watched the first animated series, I was pretty offended by that series because of the take the movie took with Anna, with Morticia and Gomez as parents, versus what was portrayed up until that point it was a core, central, fundamental piece of their characters to be such good, loving parents that were supportive of everyone in the family, including Wednesday and Pugsley, that when the animated movie came out and Morticia and Gomez were doing the exact opposite. It was pretty offensive. I was eventually able to watch it for... The side characters that were able to gain some development and the world in which they could live in. But the core of the family, Patricia, Gomez, Wednesday, Pugsley, Lurch, Thing, Grandmama, yeah. and Uncle Fester, their development in that se- in a particular animated movie, I just couldn't watch. And so I didn't even pay attention to the second movie because the second movie was just as. had some just as key essential pieces of their characters that they decided were no longer important. And so I decided that the movie was no longer important and didn't even really pay attention to it. <clears throat> so I would suggest looking at those things that have been important to you since you were young, the things that you still remember, the things that you would be mildly, if not greatly offended, if the core was not understood. Not that the core was changed, but that the core was not understood and thus changed to be something completely different. If the core was understood and then changed, That would add more depth to things, but because there's a lack of understanding and care towards these concepts, towards these things that you might hold as sacred, and others don't take the time to find out about, that is going to be a clue to whether or not it falls under one of these four categories. Another step in finding what is sacred, magical, holy, or hallowed for you could be whether or not you go towards something during tough times. If you're feeling particularly angry or sad, or there's a super tedious and tenuous project at work, and when you get home you just want to unwind, and you're looking for a haven, a sanctuary, in the thing you do or the thing you gravitate towards is magical or sacred or holy or hollow will determine of how often do you go there and how do you feel when you're consuming or doing those things. If you are, if you find basketball is the thing you gravitate to after work and it calms you down, you get into this rhythmic meditative state. You enjoy the thought of basketball, um, but it's more important to participate in it. Maybe basketball is what's sacred to you. And then figure out why. Why would it be sacred to you? Don't just stop at, well, this is important to me. It's been important forever, and I gravitate towards it afterwards. Find out the key underlying reasons for why this would be sacred or why this would be important to me. Is it because of the humor? Is it because of the commentary? Is it because of uh, the, uh, the commentary on society and life and how the status quo? Is it because of the quirky willingness to be themselves? Is it the rhythmic beat? Is it the rules? Is it the action? Is it, what is it that is causing you to feel so gravitated towards that? And you could potentially find more things that you find sacred that line up in a Venn diagram to those, at, to those attributes. And finally, if it is something that's been important for a very long period of time, providing you sanctuary, emotional, mental, physical, spiritual sanctuary during trying times or stressful periods and anxious moments. <clears throat> Can you find a reason for these important sanctuary moments, things in your path? Do they somehow, some way? pave or are they somehow interwoven with how you practice and what you craft and how you walk and perceive your spiritual path? I don't want to keep harping on the Addams Family, make this an Addams Family episode, but the Addams Family is is very important to my craft and my path. I do gravitate towards that whimsical, nihilistic, gothic Type of humor and that aesthetic. I also see Morticia Adams as not only a character on screen, on paper, cartoon, or portrayed by beautiful actresses, but one of my uh, pantheon goddesses, one of my pillar goddesses. The Morienne has been with me for a very long period of time as well. And one of the ways she was presenting herself to me was by presenting herself as a Morticia Adams character caricature, especially if I was dealing with a, a death of a family member or the passing of a beloved pet and familiar, or just dealing with the fallout, the emotional, psychological fallout of being stalked or abused or molested. She was there for me and she would take on forms of Morticia Adams and sometimes Wednesday Adams and Maleficent, honestly. she These are the three feminine characters that I gravitate towards, who I find empowering, but at the same time, very relatable and So she took on their caricatures during these times of difficulty, and she still does so when I need some levity and or when I need to process something that is a little too difficult to process, but I still need to do it. She'll take on these forms and help me process the very serious topics that come up when things get hard or life takes a left turn when I wanted to take a right, you know? So that's, that's a question to ask yourself is like, how do these things that I've found significant since childhood that I find sanctuary in during difficult times, how do they flavor and influence my craft, my practice, and my path and then you might be able to determine if something is actually sacred. And the whole reason why you do that is because you participate in it in order to make it whole and complete. If it's magical and you can change pieces of it in order to, even while, not in order to, even while you are utilizing it in your craft and practice, is it wholly complete, and thus a Pillar of some of your craft, or is it hollowed and you are honoring it as if it is whole while being a contributing element to your path and your practice? So, a brief recap the way that I went about finding what was sacred to me was by defining the terms that include sacred, magical, holy, and hallowed in order to better understand their nature. And then I applied personal gnosis to it in relation to the things that I have discovered were either sacred or magical or holy or hallowed to me. And the way I found that those were, in fact, Um, Some ways in which you can discover what's sacred to you is by analyzing and remembering things that were important to you in your childhood and that still resonate as important now by observing what you're gravitating towards after a stressful day and a tiresome event or situation or even an anxiety moment or another hard times situation and that you're seeking it out because it calms you, it soothes you, or it empowers you in some way, shape, or form? And finally, do you use it in your magic? Do you use it on your spiritual path and in your practice? These are just a couple of ways to analyze what you already enjoy, what you're already gravitating towards, what you're ever already finding pleasure and pure happiness in, and figuring out if these things are in fact things you hold sacred to the core, you find magical, and thus like experiencing, even as it changes and morphs, and perhaps you decide to help cha- it change as well, or if it's something that's holy and hollowed. I hope that this helps in some way, shape, or form to... Ha- I hope that... Bleh. That's all for today's topic, finding what is sacred, and hopefully by breaking down how I went about finding what is sacred and what I find sacred, it inspires you to look at your own life and your own hobbies, interests, enjoyments, and sanctuaries in order to find what you find sacred. It is an act of self-love to figure out and understand yourself. And I hope that you are able to apply it so you can hold to these things and better support and fortify your own boundaries when they're crossed, especially if they're crossed on something as important as your craft, your practice, and your path and that's all for today thank you so much for joining me and being here a lot of don't forget to follow us on instagram facebook pinterest to check out our blog for some more witchy wisdom or to check out our original art for sacred decor and more at society six thank you for joining go make some magic and live your best life